try to find the find the flow of the spirit that God wants us in for this evening. I believe he's going to minister and touch lives. So if we could just begin to just let's just lift our hands and praise the Lord and see what he wants to do tonight. Father, we come before you, Jesus. We know, God, that you have a plan for this gathering. Jesus, there's no service that we come into, God, where you don't have a plan and you don't have a purpose. Father, we submit our will to you tonight. I pray, Jesus, that your will would be done completely. Father, that the will of man would be put aside, Jesus, that the cares of our day would be cast on you, God, that we trust you, Jesus, to do what it is that you want to do in this service, God, that you would have your way, Jesus, and that we would be pleasing unto you. Father, I pray that you would touch every life in this place. Lord God, let the Spirit move among us. Let it touch our lives and our hearts, God. And I pray that we leave this place changed. Lord God, let us leave this place changed, I pray. For your word, God, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. God, I pray that by your word, our hearts would be transformed tonight, that we would allow your word, Jesus, to go in and to remove the things that aren't pleasing to you. God, that we would allow your word tonight to go in, to correct, to instruct, to lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Father, I lose your will to be done in this service. Jesus, I pray that our minds would be stayed on you tonight, that every thought, oh God, would be brought into obedience of you. Jesus, that the thoughts and the cares of this world would be put aside for this evening. Lord God, that we would hear the words of your spirit, Jesus, that we would hear with our spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just thank the Lord for, for one moment, if we could. He's so good to us. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for another opportunity to come together with the body of Christ. Jesus, I thank you for another day that we have to serve you, another day to be witnesses of you. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your peace. Thank you, Jesus your spirit that is in us that gives us life. Thank you, Jesus, for your word, oh God. Thank you, Jesus, for your authority, for your leading and for your direction in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I had the I have the thought sometimes when we come into church and we we open up in prayer and you know a couple minutes pass by and feel the presence of the Lord. And I've had the thought every once in a while of of what if God's purpose and his intent for for entire service or for an entire time that we were gathered together was 
just for us to entertain his presence and just for us to worship him and you know I know that I know we know we we do that you know usually we'll we'll sing a couple songs or as we just did we'll thank him and we'll lift up his name we'll acknowledge him but I wonder if sometimes we get so in the routine and in the motions and we come expecting a certain thing to happen and and in that we we give a couple minutes to God of worship and praise and and before he's done before he is because I believe something begins to happen as we worship him we when we do it selflessly something can still happen in us God begins to work in us even as we worship him selflessly and so I know that a lot of times we come into church and we come ready to receive a word. We come expecting to hear something that will impact and benefit our lives that we can take out and something that will change us. But what if we came so selflessly and we just said, God, what if, what if in this whole service, what if in this hour and an hour and a half, God, what if it was your plan for us just to worship you and just, just to entertain your presence, just to, just to entertain you and be pleasing to you with, with the words of our mouths, with our thanksgiving, with our, with our praise. The only way that we know how in our, in our mortal beings, in our, in our mortal bodies, you know, we, we think of the angels that, that cry, holy, holy, holy. And I think of, the, think of the shepherds in the field and the hosts of angels that they saw and the amazement that they must have been in in that moment as the heavens just were filled as their eyes were open to the realm of the spirit and they just saw these hosts of angels and and you know i think that sometimes we can get discouraged in the natural and think that our praise is not pleasing to god in in the way that he would expect it or in the way that it's possible but i believe that i believe one of our main purposes as as human beings one of our main purposes is to worship and to praise god and so I don't know what God has planned tonight, but I just, I just felt to share that in, in that moment of prayer. And I feel, like, I feel like maybe we could spend another moment just worshiping him and just, just praising him tonight. So if one more time, if we could just lift our hands, if we can just wait on the Lord for what he wants to do tonight. God, you're so good to us. Jesus, you're so good to us, Father. Lord, and I know, God, that our praise is pleasing to you. Jesus, the words of our mouth are pleasing to you, God. Even though I'm undone, even though my lips are unclean, Father, you take the fire from the altar. Oh, God, you purge our lips, Jesus, and in your presence, God. Father, I pray that you would send us tonight, equip us and empower us by your spirit, oh God. Oh God, we cast off our expectations. I cast off my agenda for this service. Oh God, the traditional norm is not enough for me anymore. Oh God, the traditions of men are not enough anymore. Jesus, we may be just in the flesh tonight. Oh 
oh God, but by your spirit, Jesus, something can happen in the supernatural. By your spirit, oh God, something can happen in this place. So we yield ourselves to you, oh God. We yield our minds and our thoughts to you, Jesus. I pray that by the work of your spirit, oh God, that we would be set free from our flesh. That we would be set free from our thoughts, oh God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your preserving power. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, you're good. Amen. You can be seated if you would like to tonight. I am uh, going to put a couple people on the spot here. And uh, have them come and take 30 seconds or three minutes. I did not prep them. I know that makes all of you brace yourself. But uh, I'm going to ask Sister Julie Rodriguez if she would come for just a moment. And then I'll give somebody a head start, depending on how long Sister Julie takes. I'm going to ask Sister Jasmine to come for a minute and back up. Amen. Praise the Lord. Beautiful day today, hasn't it? <laughs> so I was not expecting to come up here, but uh, I want to just share a little bit about what um, we've been doing in our Bible studies and how God has blessed us um, getting to know people. Um, recently, we just uh, drove out to Mattawa, Washington, and spent the day there and got to meet Sandra's parents, who has been coming to Bible studies um, and, and also was baptized not that long ago, and made a lot of connections. And I'm looking forward to going back to Mattawa. It's a long drive. It's hot up there. <laughs> but um, it's good to connect with people and to share the goodness of God. I know that I wouldn't be here today if someone hadn't come and shared the goodness of God with me. And so just continue to do so and um, keep your spirit open for where the Lord would take you in that. God bless you. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Obviously, I was not expecting this. Um, but I was telling Elder Hart earlier, um, I met with them, and I was telling them that God has just been bringing me back to this chapter, uh, Ezekiel chapter 3, if you want to turn there. So um, basically, in this chapter, I'm sure you might have read it, but um, Ezekiel, God is talking to him, and he's talking to him about Israel and how they continue to turn away from God, and they're not listening to 
the word that God has sent them continually over and over again. And God is telling him, um, let me see here. So he's speaking to him, and instead of what, what God has really been speaking to me about it is instead of God just telling Ezekiel everything that he wanted to tell him in one place, God led him several different places to speak to him about the same concept. And so, um, let's see. So he says, uh, starting verse number 12. He says, Then the Spirit took me up, and I heard behind me a voice of a great rushing, saying, Blessed be the glory of the Lord from his place. I heard also the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another, and the noise of the wheels over against them, and a noise of a great rushing. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. So <laughs> this, this scripture, you know, sometimes we, God will call us somewhere, and we're not comfortable with it. Sometimes we might not go in the right attitude, but we know what God has said. And it, tell, it says, like, we might be feeling bitter, and he was in the heat of his spirit, but God's hand was upon him. And so he says, Then I came to them of the captivity at Tel Abib that dwelt by the river of Chabar, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. So God leads him there, and he, he just stays there seven days. Nothing happens. Well, I'm sure something happens, you know. God's showing him. He's just kind of looking at what's happening. He's just kind of examining the situation, I guess. And he says, And it came to pass at the end of the seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. And then he goes to tell them how he's going to make them the watchmen over Israel. And he's supposed to basically speak to them what God speaks to him. And um, I'm going to skip to verse... Okay, so I'm going to start on 21. So there we see God led him one place, and he spoke to him something. So, and then he says, Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man, and this is what God is telling him that he needs to do, that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned. Also thou hast delivered thy soul. And then verse 22, And the hand of the Lord was there upon him. And he said unto me, Arise, go forth into the plain, and I will there talk with thee. So there we see again that he leads him somewhere else to talk with him. And I, and I know, like, it's very obvious what it's saying, but God spoke to me because sometimes we just, we want everything now, you know? We want, we want God to put everything out in front of us so that we know what he's going to do. And he doesn't do that because sometimes we have to be, positioned in a certain way to receive what he's saying we have to be in a certain environment reminded of something maybe or feeling a certain type of way to receive accurately what he's going to tell us and so then he says mm. so he's in the plane and it says, Then I arose and went forth into the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there, as the glory which I saw by the river of Chabar, and I fell on my face. And he's saying by the, the glory which I saw by the river of Chabar, because in chapter 2, 
God had led him there originally, and he saw something similar to what he's speaking right now. So that's what he's saying. And he says, Then the Spirit entered into me, and set me upon my feet, and spake with me, and said unto me, Go, shut thyself within thine house. And so there he is again. He's saying, <laughs> you know, I've spoke to you here. I've spoke to you there. Now I'm going to lead you to your house and shut yourself inside your house. And I'm going to speak to you there. So, like, I know that when we look at this, we're like, I know when I read it, I was like, why? Why is he leading him, like, all these places? Like, why couldn't God just speak to him right there where he was? But we forget so easily that our surroundings influence us. How we're feeling influences how we receive from God. And sometimes we just have to be positioned accurately in a certain setting, in a certain area to receive what God wants us to. And it's not always comfortable. I'm sure Ezekiel was probably like, why, why do I have to go all these places? God, just, just tell me, you know? And it's not like that. We have to be in certain settings, in certain areas, in certain, certain aspects of our life have to be a certain way for us to receive what God wants us to. And so... I just wanted to share what God has been speaking to me about. Yeah. God bless. <laughs> Praise God. You receive that tonight? It's important. It's important. The, uh, you've heard me share the story before. And um, of being in Arkansas for a few years and really wasting the first year. I say wasting. I'm sure the Lord was doing some things. I just was probably less than cooperative. And um, you know, sometimes we can despise our location. I'll say that a different way. Sometimes we can despise our station. Um, why am I here? Why am I there? Why is this this way? Why is that? Man, you read Ezekiel. Go read Jeremiah. You want to talk about going, Lord, why? And we read through the word and we realize, hopefully, Where we are when we yield ourselves to the Lord is about his kingdom and his purpose, not about us. That's why Jeremiah could be used of God in spite of his station and his location. He came to the understanding, okay, these are not the circumstances I would choose. This is I wouldn't want to be down in this pit in mud and mire. But there's something the Lord's doing here. And the Lord gave him a word so he knew he could be there. And the Lord used him there. Um, I remember being in Arkansas. And, you know, sometimes we, we hear from the Lord and it's all good until we act in faith. And what I found usually is the Lord can give us some direction and we can act in faith. But we act in faith because we have our own idea of what's going to come next. Sister Jasmine referenced, we don't always know what's going to come next, right? We want to know. But we'll act in faith when the Lord begins dealing with our heart. But then if it doesn't go the way we thought, ooh, 
you ever just get mad at God? You don't have to raise your hand about that. Or maybe you had it lined out. Okay, Lord, I'm going to do this, and then you'll do this, as though God works on the earnest system. And so we act in faith. And the Lord says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But then we get upset because, hold on, God, you didn't hold up your end of the deal as though we made a deal with God when we acted in faith. He's really not a God that makes deals. He's bound to his word. And uh, I, I remember coming back home, what I call home, back here to Washington, um, from Arkansas, and I remember thinking, man, I'll never get those three years of my life back. Isn't that a terrible thing to say? And, uh, I mean, I felt like the Lord did some stuff along the way. But, you know, sometimes in our life, when we step in faith, when the Lord's directing us and we step in faith, We don't know the result. Our stepping in faith can't be based on the result. It's got to be based on obedience to the leading of the Spirit of God. The Lord told Abraham, Abraham, head out to the land that I will show you. He was as human as you and I. Do you think he ever said, well, uh, Lord, once you show it to me, what's that going to mean? Well, once there was no indicator of anything from the Lord other than what I'll show you. You got it. So the first thing Abraham had to do was head out. He had to act in faith. Now, those situations and these examples that were shared here in the Word and the example I shared from my own life, those are geographical. But every stepping in faith isn't a geographical stepping out of a location. But oftentimes, stepping in faith, the Lord begins to deal with us in an area of our life, begins to deal with about a certain situation or circumstance in our life or somewhere we, where maybe we've been, if I can say it this way, we've been living in this place in our life. And the Lord says, all right, I want to challenge you. I want to invite you to step somewhere where you've never stepped before. I want you to enter into some. And we want answers. Well, Lord, if I do that, then what? Lord, I want to be obedient, but what does that mean? What will that mean to my family? What will that mean to my job? What will that mean to my, you fill in the blank, right? What will that mean to this? What, and our humanity and our human reasoning begins to try to work all that out. And in my own experience, what can happen then is I can talk myself out of stepping in faith. Because I don't know what is ahead. Well, if I know what's ahead, is that really walking by faith? <laughs> well, I know what tomorrow holds, so I'm going to go ahead and head there. I can tell you in the example about Arkansas, it wasn't until just a year ago I was, uh, of all people, I was in a conversation with uh, Brother Wright, and we he was trying to get me to die, and I was trying to comply. And in the middle of that conversation, he said, you don't even know if Arkansas was the will of God. You went in the will of God, and you came back in the will of God. 
was the first time I'd had a release. I don't know that I'd ever talked to him about that. I know he knew I was there because he told me I needed to stop fasting or something like that after I went. We don't always know. Matter of fact, most of the time we don't know. That's why it's walking by faith. I really feel the Holy Ghost. You're wondering, Lord, what's it going to take to see change happen here? What's it going to take to see this in my life? What's it going to take to see? The Lord's saying, I've given you a step. I'm just waiting on that step. Oh, then that means that, no, the Lord's not making a deal. The Lord's just saying, take the next step in faith. In faith. In faith. I remember some 20 years ago when I, I knew I'd heard from the Lord. And so when I walked out of the front doors at Walmart there in Auburn, Washington, I remember the weight that I physically felt lift off of me when I stepped across the threshold out onto that parking lot. I remember it like it was yesterday. It's the first time I physically felt the weight removed from me. And I felt it. It's a coastal farm and ranch now there in Auburn, if you're ever over there by the super mall. But it was a Walmart. It's the reason my family and I came to Washington. And, or what the Lord used to get us here. And I remember we made that decision. And I had this... I had this idea in my mind, Brother Jester. It's really good to see you, by the way. I had this idea in my mind that, man, I'm going to do this in obedience to the Lord. And the Lord is going to, right? We get, do you ever get this idea? Well, I'm obeying God, so I'm doing a good thing for the Lord. And so, therefore, because I'm doing a good thing for the Lord, I'm obeying the Lord. The Lord's really going to do a good thing for me. Right. What I'm doing is I'm saying, Lord, I expect that if I do this, then you're going to return and compensate. So what I'm doing is I'm earning something from you. I'm not walking by faith. But I remember thinking that. I was 26 years old, and I was sure, man, it's hard to believe it's been 20 years, but it has. And... uh I had another job, so I stepped right into that. Uh, that lasted about 12 months. And that job fired me. The, I went to work that day. They fired me the day my wife and I had signed on closing on a house. You want to talk about impeccable timing. Yeah, do that, buy a house, and then lose your job the same day that you signed papers. And I'm thinking, and you know what the first thought was? I thought, ah. No worries, I'll get another job. I got this great resume. You know what I was doing, Brother Martin? I immediately went back to thinking about what I had accomplished and what that would get me. And that wasn't walking in faith. There's a step of faith that when you take the step of faith, the Lord is faithful. I can't tell you what's on the next side of that step, but I know that he never fails. He never fails. Never. And 
where all these places that Sister Jasmine shared with us, the Lord took Ezekiel. He had purpose in that. He was getting him there for a reason, not just to speak to him, but I believe to put things in him and take things out. And the Lord knows that about us. And if I could give this microphone to anyone that's lived a few years walking with God, and you could begin to talk about, man, I went through this in my life, and I, I was obeying the Lord, and this began to happen, and I wouldn't have chose this. And this. But when I look back, I see the hand of God was at work there, and I look back, and I can see if I'm honest, man, the Lord had to do that to work in me what he wanted to work in me and change me and get me a little more dead, if that's There's nothing quite like coming face to face with yourself. And the Lord knows how to do that with us. Why don't you pray with me right now? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we walk by faith and not by sight. It is you that directs steps. It is you that orders steps. We may not understand, but we trust you. Let us step in faith. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. There's an element. There's an element that's very contrary to walking by faith. It's called control. Control. I want to be in control. There's this idea, well, once I step somewhere I've never stepped before, how do I control what happens? You don't. That's the whole point. Have you ever made this statement? Don't raise your hand. In living for God, I mean. Have you ever made this statement? I feel like I'm losing control. And you've made it thinking it was a bad thing. Wasn't a bad thing. It's exactly what the Lord wanted. Taking you and I to a place in our walk with him where there's such trust that I don't have to control anymore. But I trust him to control the circumstances as he chooses. And I trust that he's in control even when the circumstances don't make sense. That he's still ordering things according to his will when I submit to it. I'm only trusting this is getting where the Holy Ghost is wanting it to get right now. 
feel like there's some of you in this room that there's areas in your walk that God has been dealing with you. And you've maybe you've made statements like this. Lord, if this, then. Or when this, then. Once this, then. Putting conditions. Why don't you stand with me? Can I encourage you to remove every condition that you've placed and simply be willing to say, Lord, where you've prompted, I'll obey. Where you've prompted, I'll obey. Why don't you talk to the Lord with me right now? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, where you've prompted, Lord, I'll obey. I'll trust you. I'll trust the instructing of your spirit. Father, the things that you have talked to in my heart tonight, even through the simple sharing of the word through different vessels, Lord, it's quickened to my mind areas where maybe I've been waiting or, or hedging or pausing, Lord, but I want to obey where I've maybe thought I wasn't this or that and given reasons why I couldn't move, Lord. I, I release those tonight, and I'll receive of your word and act according to the leading of your spirit and the guiding of your word to step in faith, God, to relinquish control, to step according to your leading and your wisdom and your counsel, Father. In the name of Jesus, not leaning on my own understanding, but trusting you, trusting the leading of your spirit, trusting the guiding of your spirit, Lord, trusting the utterance of your voice, knowing you care for me, knowing your plans that you have for me, you're aware of even when I'm not. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. You can be seated again. I won't hold you very long, but when I repented towards the Lord at a young age and visited a Pentecostal church, uh, I remember the primary thought that uh, was submitted to me. Reading in Acts chapter 1, it said, you, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I'm guessing any young man would be receptive to that and interested in anything related to power, not knowing even what it, what it meant, okay? And then there's an area in Scripture that talks about the I think referred to them as the seven or the sons of Sceva, not the seven sons, the sons of Sceva. These were guys that they had witnessed things going through the lives of the apostles. And so then they said, let's, we're going to try this ourselves." So there was a guy that was, uh, you know, full of demons. And so they said, we adjure you by the name of Jesus that Paul preaches to come out. And it didn't work. They didn't have the power associated with the name. They didn't have the gift of 
the Holy Ghost operative in their lives. They had not received the power that they were to be endued with upon receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is, this is something important in this natural world between now and the time Jesus comes, that there be an operative power working in us, a Holy Ghost power, all right? Now, you can associate that word with power. You can associate it with authority. I think they were minus both, the power, the authority. They, they couldn't do it, and they didn't have the authority to even try. The demons then hopped on them or whatever, you know, beat them up, worked them over. Now, I was reminded tonight that Jesus said to followers, go out and heal the sick. Now, I know as believers, we will say, well, you know, it's not me that heals, but God heal, you know, because somewhere we're trying to find middle ground between is he doing this or are we actively involved? Is his power flowing through us to do something? But he had commanded, not, not believers, followers at that time. They weren't Holy Ghost filled believers. They were followers. And he said, go out and heal the sick. Cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, under their, his direction, they could operate this way. And they did. And they came back and said, man, even the devils are subject to your name. Now, I was riding through the orchard the other day on the sprayer, and a thought came to me because of burdens that I carry. And I, in my mask, spoke into the shield of the mask, and I said, avenge me of mine adversary. I think it's Luke 18 and 3. Are we able to get anything on the screen tonight? Okay. I'd rather look up there than at these little letters on this page. There was a widow in, a, in that city, and she came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. This is a petition. This is a request. This is her beseeching the Lord for something she knows about, or a judge. She's beseeching the judge. No? Yeah, it is a judge. Verse 4. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, this is the Lord teaching, sharing this story, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And so this is the concept of importunity. This is us coming to God in prayer with something that we know about and we understand something about, and we are requesting from the basis of our understanding to a degree. We don't know who the adversary is. We don't know what needs to happen to stop the adversary. You know, so we can't or she couldn't reason with her mind 
and begin to pray. So middle ground, avenge me of mine adversary. There is a problem and I need your help. Please, God, engage. All right? That's praying with my understanding according to the scripture. Now, Matthew chapter 10 at verse 16, 16 through 19. I've just got a couple of scriptures here, and I just got to share them with them with you. Matthew 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, watch this, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in the same hour what you shall speak. How does that happen? It shall be given you. In the Acts, the second chapter, the Holy Ghost was poured out upon the, the people, waiting on him, waiting on God, not knowing what to expect. But they had the understanding that they would be endued with power after that the Holy Ghost was come upon them. All right? Seven to ten days fasting, waiting on God, and the Holy Ghost is outpoured on the day of Pentecost. The initial sign, we, we use this terminology, or evidence was that they had began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. So the Spirit gave them what to say, and they yielded and responded. Okay? So now we, hear, now we see this, uh, this parallel in that they are not to take thought. Don't worry. Don't, don't, uh, don't bother yourself. Don't uh, get upset. Don't, you know, don't worry. There you go. Don't be anxious. Because it will be given thee. This only applies to the spirit-filled believer, from my understanding. He's talking to those in a day that there were, you know, there were things that would transpire in their lives, but yet the Holy Ghost will give you what to say. Any host, Holy Ghost-filled, praying in the spirit believer already knows and understands this. Because they went to coffee with Susie, and all of a sudden they're talking about stuff that Susie's got problems with, and there's a flow of the Holy Ghost. Well, that wasn't planned. That wasn't reasoning. It was the Holy Ghost prompting. It was the power that was that had endued the individual. And he wasn't a dude. He was a shoed, a she. All right, Romans 8 and 26. Couple more here. We take the whole of Scripture. Okay? 
we look at the whole of Scripture, and we say all of this has got to, situations that apply. So I've got to be careful about making some generic statement that I'm going to end up conflicting myself against the Scripture. All right? There's different situations of application. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray, just like we know not what we should have speak. For as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions with us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Ghost will give or intercede or pray or give me utterance to pray. Now, I realize this is a biblical concept, but it also takes a believer to stand in this, to walk in this, at the same time understanding I need to, there's times when I need to call out and say, avenge me of mine adversary. I am cautious at times attacking or addressing situations that I am burdened over with reason or even knowledge. Wait a minute. You know the facts. You know what to do. No, 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 no. I would rather be reliant on what the Holy Ghost would give me to say or speak. Understand? Now, this is the advanced class. Unless you've already walked in this experience of praying in the Spirit, speak the, the terminology of scriptures, speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives to you the utterance, this isn't the initial sign anymore. This is living in a place of prayer that the inspiration comes, whether it is to speak with understanding or without understanding. Either way, it's got to be spirit-directed. Here's why. Next, oh, next reference. 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything According to his will, he hears us. Now, if in my praying, if in my praying and communion with God, his inspiration gives me words to speak, whether, whether of understanding or not, He's giving me his words to pray, which will not fail, and they are according to what? His will. Now, again, I, I'm, let me reiterate this. This is the advanced class. Many years in my life, I had a spiritual experience. I had... Kneel, I had knelt at an altar one day and obeyed my vacation Bible school teacher when she said, just ask the Lord to forgive you. I asked the Lord to forgive me. Then she said, now ask him to come into your heart. I asked him to come into my heart. And that was the depth of my experience for many years until I exited and started playing rock and roll and in a band. And then that was leading to alcohol and wherever that would take me. Definitely wasn't back there with my vacation Bible school teacher anymore. But 
that was, that was my beginner's class. Because I felt conviction at an altar. Okay? I didn't experience forgiveness or remission because that's only done according to the Bible, being baptized in Jesus' name. Repent and be baptized. Turn to God and be baptized. That's what applies the blood that remits my sin. So back then, I felt a release. I felt, uh, you know, from my conscience because I admitted my guilt. But this whole thing that the book of Acts talks about in, in Acts chapter 1, this power that would come into my life, that didn't exist. And so now, advance forward, age 22. Now I'm walking in the power of the Spirit. Limited? Yes. My understanding was limited. My, uh, my experience was limited. I had really only begun and got a taste. And now, through the process of time, any believers in this room that have walked in this experience know God can give you the words. He can give you the power. He wants to give you the power. And so now when he says, go and heal the sick, now we take authority over the sick. Now we command people to be whole rather than beg God to please step in and rescue us from this situation. Do you see the contrast between the two? I got one more scripture. Isaiah 28 and 10. You know, I'd apologize for taking all this time, but I just can't. 28 and 10. For precept upon precept, or for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little, verse 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. Now, the reason I read this scripture was I want to show you the deference here that he brings out. Stammering lips and another tongue. The first time I prayed and felt the utterance of the Spirit, when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, all I did was speak out a couple of syllables because I didn't know where to go from there. I didn't stay in the Spirit. I really didn't yield, but I knew, okay, that was it. I got it, and that was good enough. You do, do you know it was a process of time of me getting over things, like doing things in public, you know, other people seeing me, praying, raising my hands. It was, it was something about my personality. I don't know. But anyway, I had to get over those things to come to a place of having a liberty to pray and to really flow in the Spirit of God. Don't stop. It's stammering lips. You're not there yet. I'm just saying. It's part of the process. For some, it seems to be more magnified than others. Don't stop with stammering lips. Let the Spirit of God lead you, draw you. What the Father sees in secret, he'll reward openly. You find a prayer closet with God, and I'm telling you, it will affect situations in your life. But again, 
You, you don't want to be like the seven sons of Sceva. You don't want to be adjuring things by the, you know, the, the, the name of Jesus that the preacher was talking about the other night. It's got to become personal in you. Take on the name. Let the blood of Jesus be applied. New Testament. The blood of the spotless lamb applied. The blood of the once and final sacrifice applied in repentance and water baptism in Jesus' name. Then the promise is you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's real. It's real as we're standing here. It's for you. The promise is for you. Because you just heard it. Let's stand. My best friend, Roger Campbell, had just gotten baptized or was getting baptized two weeks after I visited the church where that he was going to and Brother Steve Smith was preaching, and he started sharing the story. Hey, I got a call this week. Roger Campbell was, you know, seeking the Holy Ghost and, or, or had gotten the Holy Ghost, and Larry Schoonover was seeking it. I thought, what? You know, I'm sitting in the back row. He's calling out my name. And I thought, man, he, he, he's not going to let me get out of here until I get the Holy Ghost. So when they opened the altar, I thought, well, I just better stop fighting destiny and go to the altar. And I did. And that was the night I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It was just the promise of God for me, like the promises of, of God for you. It's his promise to you. Let me just share this with you. I was at a Bible study in Puyallup when I first went there. It was the first Bible study I gave there. And there was a young couple that wanted the Bible study, but they had friends that had gone to church and said, uh, my friends are going to be there too. You know, they were kind of coming, check it out, make sure I wasn't leading them into something wild or crazy. And after two hours of Bible study, I said, you know, it's, it's time to cut off and go home and we'll come back and finish this, you know, in another day. And, and the, the lady that came as a friend, said, no, no, you're not going to do that. You're not going to lead me all this way in this scripture and then cut me off. We're going to finish this tonight. It was another two hours. It was midnight. Four hours I'd been there. And when we got to the end, I just flowed in what was coming and said, yes, the promise is yours, and you can receive the Holy Ghost tonight. And I'm thinking, and it's midnight. I want to go home. Well, so I said, you know, and so it's like, okay, so now what do we do with this? There was a coffee table in the living room, and I said, well, let's just move around the coffee table here and we'll pray. Well, the people that lived in the house, they went up to the, you know, the landing on the steps, going to watch from a distance.
It takes a hungry heart who's real before God and not playing games. Let's pray right now. According to your will, Father, we shall be endued with power from on high according to your word upon receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, you know every soul in the house. We submit each one to you. We stand yielded to you, Father. In the name of Jesus, I hunger for you. I don't even know you, and I hunger for you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We were in a service one day and conviction fell and people were praying and children were coming up to the altar and praying. And I'll never forget some of those young faces up there praying and some of them didn't receive the Holy Ghost, and they went away and went home. And about an hour later, I got a call from their parents. Amberly Lindsay, who was about 10 or 11 years old at the time, said when she got home, she said, I still feel the, you know, the presence of the Lord, and I just want to pray. And so mom and dad just got down there on their knees with uh, Amberly, and pretty soon they called and said, Amberly received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. A hungry heart and God. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.